You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Coming up on You Need Therapy. I think eating disorders can be like just a thief of life. Like they just take over and steal your joy and you can't live in the present. And now like being outside of it I think that's what was happening and that makes me really sad. I I wish I had more understanding of it then to have had more fun with you because we had so much fun. I started to realize that not being an expert isn't a liability, it's a real gift. If we don't know something about ourselves at this point in our life, it's probably because it's uncomfortable to know. If you can die before you die, then you can really live. There's a wisdom at death's door. I thought I was insane. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do because there was no internet. I don't know, man. I'm like, I feel like everything is hard. Hey, y'all. My name is Kat. I'm a human first and a licensed therapist second. And right now, I'm inviting you into conversations that I hope encourage you to become more curious and less judgmental about yourself, others, and the world around you. Welcome to You Need Therapy. Hi, guys, and welcome to a new episode of You Need Therapy podcast. My name is Kat. I am the host. And quick reminder before we get into today's episode that I'm very excited about, that this podcast, though hosted by a therapist, does not serve as a replacement or substitute for any actual mental health services. However, we always hope that it can help you however it needs to help you wherever you are on whatever journey you're on in the moment. So like I said, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for this episode because it is a conversation with me and a very good friend of mine that I have had. I met Kelly, our guest, my freshman year of college, and she has been somebody who has been very special and important in my life since. And we also have both struggled with an eating disorder and our bodies and food and what to say about those things and how to talk about those things. And our conversation is one where we get to share both our experience going through that ourselves and the experience of watching a loved one, which is me watching Kelly and Kelly watching me. 
So I wanted to have this conversation because I think so much and so often we are worried about what to say and how to bring things up and often we end up saying nothing. And that's actually something that I did and you'll hear more about that in the episode. So I wanted to have a really open conversation with Kelly about that and put it out in the open to kind of one, share with you guys that you're not alone if you don't know what the right thing to say is or if you don't say the right thing. And also, even if somebody does not receive something the way you want them to receive it, it doesn't mean that you're not planting a seed and it doesn't mean that you are not offering encouragement to somebody when it is said with love and curiosity. So I am very excited for you to get to hear from one of the coolest people that I know. So let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with one of my best friends, Kelly. Okay, guys, like I said in the intro, today is a special episode. And yes, I say special episode all the time, but every time I say it, I really mean it. And today I have one of my best friends, which is weird to say this, but you're probably one of my longest friends, even though we met in college, because we went to college so long ago, it seems. But I have my friend Kelly here to talk to us. Kelly, do you want to say hi? Hello. So Kelly, have you ever been on a podcast? No. How are you feeling? I feel excited, but kind of nervous. (laughs) Okay. Before we go into why I have you here, when was the first time you went to therapy? Was that before I met you? No. The first time I went to therapy, you encouraged me to go to the the campus (laughs) therapist. Oh, no. You would observe me. (laughs) Wait, when was that? That had to have been our senior year of college. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. That is funny. Our senior year of college, I was having panic attacks. And you were like, I think this could help maybe. Yeah. I think this is a bigger issue. Yeah. You know, what's funny is I remember having conversations like junior and senior year with like my family and different people who thought that I like knew about mental health, but I actually really didn't. I just wanted to know about it. Like thinking about my mom talking about certain things in our family or just anybody. And I'm I'm like, what did I say back then? Because I really had no idea what I was talking about. I don't know, but I'm grateful that you encouraged yeah. me to go because it, I think, I, well, I was the first person in my family to go to therapy and they all thought I was cuckoo nuts. <laughs> well, because back then it wasn't, now it wasn't that long ago. That would be 2012. No, but, it really wasn't. But it, but nobody went to therapy back no, then. No, I still think there was a, like a big stigma around it. Something had to be terribly wrong in your life for you to go. And my parents just didn't understand. And I think they took it kind of personally. Yeah. Yeah. Like my daughter doesn't need to go to therapy. Yeah. Like it just, yeah. Like I didn't do anything wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, okay. So Kelly is here today because we'll probably get off tangent and talk about a lot of things because we really could talk for hours about what we're about to talk about. But What we really want to focus on today is the experience of having a friend or family member or a loved one in general who is going through specifically disordered eating or an eating disorder, but you can actually listen to this and hear it in other avenues, like if somebody's struggling with any kind of addiction or just mental health in general. This is a very unique thing, I think. We have this experience of being friends through the process of each of us going through our own disordered eating and eating disorder. So we each have experience of watching the other person do that and kind of being a bystander and then also 
being the person struggling. And then so I have the experience of watching Kelly. Kelly has experience of watching me. And I just think that is interesting because of the conversations we did or didn't have. And now knowing what we know. So what I really want to do is talk about what that was like for each of us on both sides, being the one watching the friend and also being the one struggling and reflect on what it was that we wish you would have said to the other person when we were watching them and also what it was that we might have needed in those spaces when we were struggling ourselves. So if you know anybody who has ever struggled with something and if you have ever struggled with something, then this is an episode that I think you can benefit from. So those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while know that I had a period of my life specifically at the towards the end of college into the early stages of me actually being in grad school, thinking I was going to go save everybody's lives. Meanwhile, I like needed my own help and didn't know. So I had an experience of really struggling with an eating disorder myself and not knowing that I was. So let's start the conversation because that's that happened first, I think, of Kelly talking about what it was like to watch me kind of tiptoe into that because it was progressive and just like what that was like for you and what you noticed as my friend. Okay. So say whatever you want. I, you're not going to you're not going to hurt my feelings. And if you do, we'll work through it. I have a very vivid memory because it was the summer, I guess, after junior year, I went and studied abroad in Italy in Cortona. And I hadn't seen you because I was in Italy all summer. And I remember being in Germany about to come back for Rush workshop. And I was on Facebook and I saw all these pictures of you and you had lost so much weight, like Mm. so drastically. And I remember thinking like, whoa. And then one thought I was like, that was really fast. How did that, that happen so fast? And then also like, feeling kind of proud of you in a weird way <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we had had conversations I remember in college about you wanting to expand the food that you ate like you I, I remember like you didn't eat a lot of vegetables you just like ate you only had chicken finger Friday yes chicken <laughs> finger Friday and I remember being like Catherine vegetables are great like let's eat vegetables <laughs> So I was like, oh, that's great. Like she's always wanted to like expand her mm-hmm. her diet. But obviously I I was also like focused on how you looked physically as well. That's the first memory that always pops up in my brain when I do think about the drasticness of because I like left. Jar it was jarring, but the initial thought was more like, that's surprising, but good for her. Like something good must have happened. Yes. But that's when you you hadn't spent time with me yet right exactly yes I I wasn't watching you exercise and run a bazillion miles and you know come over and eat spaghetti squash with you (laughs) (laughs) so then when we went back to school were there things you noticed what happened then what I remember a lot is you exercising a lot and I remember you not eating a ton or like being kind of worried about like we didn't go out to restaurants as much anymore like Mm -hmm. we didn't we didn't do stuff like that but I would always come over to your house I remember and we would like cook dinner together and it would usually be like a soup that you would make with orzo and chicken and like lemon we would make that like mock panera bread soup or you would cook a bolognese sauce 
and we would eat it over spaghetti squash or we would eat salads. And we would go out to eat. I would go once a week. We'd go to Nukes. Yes, we would go to Nukes. Nukes was a safe place. What's interesting and what I think is interesting on both of our sides is the things that we started to do and the things that we did are like good parts of us. Like I do like to work out and that's a good part of, of, I do like to eat vegetables now and that's a good part. I remember I probably drank like five times our senior year. We saved it up for the cruise. Oh, I was going to say. Five days straight on the cruise. So we went to spring break and it affected like social life. Like I wouldn't go to. You wouldn't go out. Yeah. And I would skip date parties. I would skip like on the weekends. I would take people to the bar, but I wouldn't go, which like that's the the confusing thing is you don't have to drink. Like that's not a bad thing to not drink, but I wasn't not drinking because I didn't want to drink. I wasn't drinking because I was afraid that I would either eat after or I wouldn't wake up for my workout. Wow. Well, on the cruise, we would wake up in the morning and go work out together. Like Which crazy is crazy. People. Yeah. I know. And we'd be like hungover and like about to vomit. <laughs> like on a cruise running, looking out into the sea on a treadmill. Like that gives giving making me nauseous right now thinking about it. Yeah, we're coconuts. <laughs> um, was there ever a moment where you were like, I feel like this has gone too far? Or like, were you ever frustrated? Like, I kind of want my friend back? I mean, I I was also really busy during that yeah. year too you know, we're all like consumed in our lives, but they're definitely, yeah. I mean, I feel like there was, I think eating disorders can be like just a thief of life. Like they just take over and steal your joy and you can't live in the present. And now like being outside of it, I think that's what was happening. And that makes me really sad. I I wish I had more understanding of it then to have had more fun with you because we had so much fun. Oh my God. And we still had fun too. I still had it. look back on my college experience and I'm very grateful for it and think that I enjoyed it. But I think that's a good point of you saying like, I would see these things, but I didn't see them to the extent, if this is what you're saying, I didn't see them to the extent that they were probably going on. And so it didn't make me think, oh my gosh, I need to talk to Catherine about this. It allowed you to stay in that like, well, good for her. Yeah, there were moments where I I feel like I recognized more of the exercise because I struggled with exercise addiction in uh, high school. And I knew that that had really taken over my brain. And I feel like that was a big part of your journey too, like, Mm -hmm. or just your experience was the exercising part, like eating and then maybe needing to like exercise after or like getting anxiety if you didn't exercise, you know? So Mm -hmm. a lot of the time we spent that year I just tried to meet you where you were because I was like I wasn't going out a lot either but not for those reasons but we would go on walks or like that was the only way I could really spend see you and spend time with you as if we were moving our bodies in some capacity or eating a vegetable (laughs) or eating a vegetable yeah oh that actually feels very similar to my experience of of you. Mm-hmm. And th- I think part of this is important to me because I think so often we want to be sure before we talk to somebody about something that we see because we don't want to accuse somebody of something that they're not doing. And I think that we don't have to have these sit down, huge 
kind of like come to Jesus meetings about these things, we can talk to each other in other ways that are just like, oh, we're going on a walk. Hey, I noticed that you didn't eat your favorite whatever on your birthday meal. Like, do you not like that anymore? Or like just little things like that versus I think you have an eating disorder. Yeah. And the, the curiosity is important. Yeah. I think. It's more yes. gentle. Because after college, for those of you who don't know Kelly, <laughs> when I think of you, I just think of like somebody like flying in the wind. Like you're like going wherever you need to go that day, doing whatever you need to do. You don't feel like held down. If you change your mind, you're allowed to change your mind. You can get along with most people. However, you also have a very strong moral compass and belief system. So Kelly is somebody who you could do anything in a sense of if I'm like, hey, do you want to go on this trip to me to Mexico next week? You'd be like, sure, that sounds fun. And if I was like, hey, do you want to go to Young Life camp with me for a month? Even though she, Kelly had no idea what Young Life is and she volunteered and went with me for a month, not having any experience with it. Like she just is down for whatever. That's still one of the hardest experiences of my life. Because <laughs> you were in the bakery. <laughs> yeah, like I've had two children, natural labors, and working in that bakery was one of the hardest things I've ever done. You're like, and that's where my trauma starts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was, oh, all started with young life. You really did get one of the hardest jobs. Yeah, but we didn't know it was hard. Yeah. We were like, it sounds so romantic. <laughs> and I was making crafts. I was the craft girl. <laughs> Kelly was up at like 3 a.m. She was like making biscuits with like flour over her face. And I was like, I made you a friendship bracelet. I know. And you're like, Kelly, hang out with us. Like we're hanging out at night. I'm like, I have to wake up at four and walk up a giant hill. hill. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, so I say that like Kelly is somebody who is just like carefree. Like, yes, you have. I have experienced you with anxiety. You had the panic attacks. Like you have things like that and you also were always like ready to go and you'd be there for anybody at all times and you'd make things work this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. 
save 30% on super comfortable, machine washable, and great looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. So after college, I don't have a lot of, and I think part of it's because I was so wrapped up in my own stuff. And I think I was so focused on myself throughout my disorder and then also my healing journey. But I remember going to visit you and you were going through a lot of like, and you can correct me if I'm getting stuff wrong, like autoimmune discoveries. I was having a lot of health challenges. Okay. And so she went on this like elimination diet that seemed fine because it was like she was doing it for a reason. She was finding these things that worked for her. And so the first time when I spent time with you, I was like, oh, like this has to be really hard to live like this. And it sounds like she's putting a lot of effort into take care of some issues that you've had for since I'd known you. Yes. And so it was hard to assume anything was wrong when it felt like you were doing something that was really good for you, which feels like that's how a lot of stuff starts is it starts good intentioned. And so I remember going and visiting you and seeing all that and noticing how much effort you put into your meals and preparing food. I will never forget finding cricket powder in your pantry. (laughs) So much of it is so cringy, but it's really funny. We have to laugh. I'm like, I what? Made, I made cricket brownies. Yes. I, I remember going home and telling my mom and being like, mom, Kelly has cricket powder in her pantry. But also being like, if that works for her, that's whatever. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even yellow flags at that point. I think when I noticed something being off is when it never stopped. It just kept getting worse in the sense of more extreme so then the next time I visited you I just remember how much time you spent talking about food going shopping for food preparing food and the thing I said to Kelly before we started recording this is the hard part is the food she was making was delicious now some things would be weird like if you just saw on a menu you'd be like that's sounds like a weird meal but it always tasted good Yes, always. So that was really hard because it wasn't like she was just eating like kale and baby carrots, which is like what I did. It was always these delicious meals that so much effort was put into. It felt like she really cared. She wanted to treat her new baby well and make sure he was getting the best nutrients from you. And so what you put in your body mattered. But I could tell that there was like something off where it didn't feel as like I can just be with my friend. And 
this is hard to recognize because I'm still in this early recovery process and then I'm starting to work as an eating disorder therapist and a lot of times in early recovery and I can admit this I just like I felt when I was in my eating disorder I felt a sort of self-righteousness I felt a sort of self-righteousness on the I know how to be in recovery and what you should be doing too so I treaded those waters very lightly and then you came to visit a couple times I think I saw you a couple times in between then and we'd keep in touch things just kept the same but it was what you said like we were separated enough where I wasn't always seeing it yes so it didn't feel as I guess important that I needed to like call things out and then you came in town for was it JP's interview yes JP was interviewing yeah okay and I just noticed it felt stressful and it wasn't like we weren't having a good time but it's like there's just an essence of like anxiety around everything and we went to actually one of my favorite restaurants in Nashville it's a vegan restaurant so good which again like yes that we went there for a reason because you felt comfortable going there but I also liked that restaurant so that wasn't the red flag but then we had a conversation that we never talked about again how long ago was this Judah, my youngest, is four now. So he had to have been barely like six months, maybe. Okay. So this was maybe three years ago-ish. Okay. Four years ago. We never talked about this conversation again until like a couple months ago when we brought it up. But I want you to tell me what you remember happened in that conversation because I might have a different memory of it. I mean, food was very stressful. So like anytime... We traveled, you know, did anything. I was always having anxiety about food. So I understand the ball of anxiety, probably just consuming my my presence at that time. But I remember having a conversation with you because Quinn, my oldest son, who's almost seven now, I also restricted his food as well. So I I think that maybe sparked some of the conversation like just you asking me questions about that or like what was the reason for doing that or to try to understand like I never felt attacked by you or like defensive in any way at all which is great because I think I probably could have easily felt that way but you always had a great way of just I don't know I just always felt very safe with you having conversations like I never felt judged by you like if my husband would have asked me that I probably would have been like uh WTF (laughs) you know nothing (laughs) do you remember what sparked that conversation though not really it was Halloween no it was Halloween you said something along the lines of I don't know what to do about Halloween Quinn wants to go trick-or-treating but I don't know if I should let him and I was like what do you mean like I was genuinely confused at first Yes, I do remember. It was about the switch witch. <laughs> What's a switch witch? Yeah, great question. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot, I mean, at this time, I was also heavily on social media, which I am not anymore, which is very great for me. doesn't have to be like that for everybody, but it's better if I'm not seeing yeah. what everyone else is doing all the time um, and being influenced by that. But there at the time were, and I'm sure there's still people doing this, but um, a lot of like natural mommies out there worried about all of the 
preservatives and food dyes and sugar and all that stuff and candy. So they would give their, they would let their kids go trick or treating, but then they would give them the option of letting the switch, witch come, which would switch out their candy for like some other types of treats slash like some, like a toy or something. So kind of giving them the choice, but oftentimes I feel like there really wasn't a choice. They would just say the switch, witch was coming and then switch it all out kind yeah. of thing. You said if if Quinn's going to eat candy, it's going to be candy that you make for him. <laughs> and I really was like, what do you mean? Help me understand. Like, I really was at that moment. Like, does he have, is he allergic to something? Like, is this, like, where did you get this information? So this is actually so interesting to have this conversation with you because I've always wondered if I was like too harsh. Because I remember JP, your husband, being like, I'll be right back. And him like taking the kids and walking away. And he's so uncomfortable. Probably, yeah, because he's like, what's going on? So for you, what was important about that conversation? I mean, I kind of knew deep down that something was wrong. Like, I, I felt that and I could feel that in my relationship because it was a, a source of a lot of tension. We had a lot of conflict around this. Like, I felt like I wasn't being understood by my husband at the time for all of these mm. concerns I was having. He was also like in residency and both of our capacities were just not there at all for a lot of stuff, just very stressful times. I had come to the conclusion or the or had a thought like, like I knew I had struggled with eating stuff and I knew like restricting wasn't really the greatest. I, I didn't want to project any of my stuff onto my kids. And you had asked me some sort of question kind of pertaining to that. And it really got me thinking about that more. And that's really what started. That's the catalyst of like mm. me making changes and seeking help and all of that is, I don't remember exactly what you said though. I wish I did. I tried to journal and like remember and write it out, but I, I don't know, but it really stuck with me. So thanks. Well, you're welcome. But what's so interesting is this conversation had like happened, what, four years ago? Well, I've seen you since then. And things didn't dramatically change because I've, I've seen you since then. And you still were very concerned about where we went to eat and all that stuff. And I want to be clear that I think our experiences were a little different in the sense that I was hyper focused on what my body looked like. And I was really ignoring a lot of my actual physical health. You were very, very concerned with your health. Yes. Both of those things manifested in a life that was, it's like we tried to control our anxiety by our disorders, but it also gave us more anxiety. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I talk to my therapist about this all the time, like the way that, I, because I struggled with more leaning towards anorexia in uh, high school. Like yeah. I definitely like over-exercising food diaries, like counting calories, very concerned. And that was more trying to alter the look of my body. But as I come to find out, that is a very hard life to sustain. Like mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't sustain that. And so, you know, then I became a vegetarian and then college happened and you drink a lot and you forget to drink water and take care of yourself and all the things <laughs> and uh, you stay up late. And I started having all these health 
issues or just things that no medical professional could really put a finger on. Um, like I couldn't get a diagnosis that so they were doing all these tests. And I, I would say that my eating disorder in high school started out of wanting a sense of control. It mainly ramped up after Hurricane Katrina and we mm. were displaced for a while. And then, yeah, I would say that it just manifested in a different way and took on a more socially acceptable, you know, presence because people were concerned about me in high school, but didn't approach me in a gentle way, but I could hide this better. I didn't know I was doing that, but it was, it was just hidden in plain sight. You were still eating and you were making delicious meals and you were preparing wonderful things for your family. But the issue wasn't that the issue was how much concern went into the quality and what it was that you were eating, you were still probably getting the nutrients you needed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I still lost a lot of weight because the diet, the the elimination diet was based off a paleo diet. So I would say it's like paleo on crack, like yeah. even more restrictive than paleo would be. So you're, you're actually restricting other types of vegetables that could cause symptoms. So what ended up happening is it took more of like an orthorexia approach where I just became so fearful of all types of food, like food that would be considered good for you, like a yeah. potato. Yeah. I remember you saying I can't have nightshade vegetables. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, yeah. Like, why? <laughs> and I really was just like confused. It wasn't, I don't think I ever felt like, oh, I'm going to tell you that you're doing something bad. I just was like, I don't get it. And I do understand that that does affect people certain ways. And, and this, it can be a thing that you can't have certain foods, but it, every time I saw you for a period of time, it was like, there was another thing and it was more concerned and that's just not who you are. So no, yeah. I'm like not a type a rigid person. No. At all. I became so rigid. And have you ever read Dan Siegel's whole brain child? No, but I do love Dan Siegel. He talks about in this book that there's like, you know, you want to be floating down the river of well-being and you're not in the river of well-being when there's like a rigid bank and a chaos bank. And so I felt at that time I was just like pinging back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Like I yeah. just there was no well-being there, even though it gave the appearance that I was taking very good care of myself. And so many people still now don't understand they think I was taking really good care of myself. And I'm like the epitome of health. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. really, I'm struggling so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so mentally then, and physically. Yeah. When was this? This was like two months ago, I feel. We were talking on the phone and you were going to pick up, we we're going to pick up both of your kids or just Quinn? I think I had just picked up Quinn from school. Okay. Yeah. I was picking Quinn up from school. So we were talking the whole way when she was going to get him and you probably just like weren't thinking because we were on the phone. So you realized when you picked up Quinn that you forgot his snack. And I remember you saying to him, like, I forgot your snack. Or maybe he said like, mom, where's my snack? And you're like, I forgot it. We'll stop at the gas station. You can pick something out. And I remember just being like, what? What kind of gas station are you going to? Is Do you have a gas How station at Whole Foods? From point A to point B. <laughs> yes. I, I literally was like, what gas stations do they have there? Because what? And we, again, we had never talked about that conversation we had four years earlier. And I had seen you since then. And I still noticed some things that I also didn't notice that maybe you were working on things too, because we just never talked about it again. And I just let you do your thing. And that's when you were like, well, 
you know, I guess you could say I'm in recovery. (laughs) It was just so I was like, oh, my God, how do I not know this? And that's why one of the reasons I really wanted to have this conversation is why did I not know that you were moving through this process? Because recovery is a really hard process. And I felt like on my experience, I got really scared and it's helpful to hear you say some of this, but I got really scared because I didn't want to be a know-it-all and I didn't want to push you and I didn't want to tell you or make you think that I knew what you needed more than you know. And so after that conversation, I was so happy for you, but I also had some regret of like, I wish I would have checked in with you after that, but I felt like I was like too scared. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It took 11 years to get to this sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. I wish I would have checked in with you after that, but I felt like I was like too scared to. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if this was intentional or not, or just because, you know, we're both humans living in different places and have different lives. But for a while, like after, like during the pandemic, I remember coming to visit you with Quinn and Judah. It was right before we moved from Birmingham. I was like, I need to come visit you one last time while I'm this close to you. And I stayed at your house with all your friends and my two children. And it was crazy. (laughs) <laughs> like it's nuts <laughs> and um 
after that, when I moved to Baton Rouge, maybe a year after whatever was still like causing a lot of conflict with me and my husband. And just, we weren't able to navigate it ourselves, but like, I, I knew, like I, I knew something after being in therapy for a little while, like that it wasn't right. And I had actually like never really talked to anyone about my eating disorder in high school, maybe only you, to be honest, like I, Mm -hmm. it wasn't really something even my husband knew about me, like, there's just so much lack of communication about it. And maybe that was me being shameful of it, or just not really understanding like what it was, or dismissing it, I'm not really sure. But I started to do some exposure therapy, from our couples therapist like she was kind of helping us navigate some of the triggers that were like kind of you know like or just kind of mediate some conversations just having around it but I do remember feeling a distance between us and I remember listening to your podcast and feeling like I feel like I could be triggering you you know like I know I have this stuff going on and I felt like for a while I would call you and maybe you wouldn't get back to me. But now I realize like we were just busy. But during that time, I was like, oh, no, I feel like I'm triggering her. I don't want to trigger her. And that actually really helped me kind of move through that stuff because like your friendship is so special to me. And I wanted I wanted to be in your life and have you in mind. And that wasn't intentional. Like, I don't think I had thought about talking to you about it before, but I just I got scared, too. So I feel like maybe there was like some both of us kind of distancing maybe happening. Yeah. That's so interesting. And and I will say I'm I'm notorious for not answering my phone because I just hate talking to the but with that, I think there could be something to that. When you said triggering, I think it probably was more of like not that you were triggering me and that like I feel like I need to get back into my disorder and it was making it hard for me to eat. I think it was more of like it's hard for me to be around you yes, because I, I don't know what to say. Like I, I don't want to tell you how to parent your kids and how to live your life. And this is really scary. I think that's probably what it was of like, this is so scary. It was a little bit of this was, this is not my friend that I remember. And even what you are such a good mom and you're, you are still, what's interesting is you're still so carefree. And like, if your kid is like eating dirt, you're like, that's cool. Like, so you still have that essence, but then it was like paired with this other thing. So I think it was probably more of that of like, I feel like I want to say something so bad and I, I'm trying not to say it because I don't want to overstep. So I'm putting distance in between us, but I'm not telling you that I'm doing that. Yeah. And I could feel that like, I'm, I'm a very sensitive person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I uh. feel that for a couple of years and I would talk to JP about it and I was like, I want to have a conversation with her, but I, I mean, I also just like, I mean, your friendship means so much to me. Like I I've always felt very safe with you to be able to have like real conversations and, you know, like it was never surface with us at all. I, I trusted that I was important to you too. And that like, it would somehow, you know, come back around and I feel like it really has. So I'm really thankful for that. (laughs) This is interesting because a lot of people listen to this podcast and they think like, oh, Catherine will know what to say to somebody or ask Catherine what to say. But my own therapist says this to me. She said it two weeks ago. She said, this is why people that cut hair don't cut their own hair. Like when you're in it, it is different. Like I was too close to it to see. And so I can share somebody else's experience and help them see it clearly. But I can't 
clean the the windows of my own. I need somebody to help me do that. Yeah. So I wish that I would have told you because I know that trip that you came, it was when I lived in my little tiny, my tiny home. I love that house, but it's tiny. I remember feeling like exhausted, but it wasn't like the exhaustion of like you being here and like having kids around because I love that. I think it was the exhaustion of like, the internal battle of do I say something? Do I not say something? Like, am I being judgmental or am I am I worried about her? Like that, and I just didn't do anything with it. So this goes back to what I said earlier: is it doesn't always have to be the sit down. You need to go to treatment. Like you're ruining your yeah, life. Like intervention. Yeah, type it could have been thing. like. I noticed that it was really hard. I could have just said it was. I'm sorry if I was weird. It was hard for me to watch you do some of these things because I don't understand them. It could have been that. Yeah. Yes. That would have been great. <laughs> so thinking back, is there anything else that like as somebody who is struggling and that wished, because I know there's some things that I wish people would have said to me back then. I don't know if I would have listened to them. What are those things? Because I think about that all the time. I mean, even before I entered into that phase of like, I guess the orthorexia part of my eating disorder I remember seeing you a lot on Instagram. Like you would post a lot of um, recipes and stuff. We all did it. It's fun. Yeah. I was the one who <laughs> I had like a exercise and food Instagram like that has since been deleted. I was a recipe developer. Yes. <laughs> Put me on the quote. Yeah. <laughs> Although um, I will say. No, no shame in recipe developers. We love recipe developers. It's how I. Like I still eat gluten-free because gluten makes me feel terrible. And so is dairy. So like shout out to all the people that put in the hard work to make delicious things, but <laughs> we don't all have to do it. No, we don't. Yeah. And I don't want anyone to have to do it unless they have to. <laughs> yeah. I don't specifically know because it's hard not being in it. Now I know things that I would want people to say, but I don't know if I would listen to it, but I think just the little things. So like, like I said, or like, I noticed that you didn't eat this thing. Do not like it anymore. Or, or you're not like, going out. Why aren't you going out? Like, yeah. What? Yeah. Like I miss you. And just like planting little seeds because sometimes when we come and have this bigger intervention, we immediately go into defense mode and you're wrong. You're jealous. You don't understand when it could have been just like you or I planting little seeds. I noticed this. This like the conversation at Sunflower, we could have kept having those kinds of conversations. Yes. Maybe I would have appreciated more conversations. Yeah, maybe that is something I, I needed. But you were honestly the only person I had ever had a conversation. You were the only person that ever challenged me. So yeah. but the curiosity part, I think, is always really helpful. Just like exactly what you said. Like, I noticed this, like, help me understand this. Or like I, you know, coming from a place of wanting to understand because I did that's like one of my wounds is like feeling misunderstood mm -hmm. and I'm definitely going to be more receptive to you if you're coming from a place of curiosity instead of judgment. Yeah. But there were often questions you would ask me that I really couldn't explain. And like when yeah. I couldn't explain them, that also, you know, gets your brain going. It's like, wait, why am I doing this? Like what, what is the purpose of this? And yeah, I mean, there was a lot going on with me at the time. I was I was probably still struggling with like postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And there was like a lot of unresolved trauma. So it was a lot of like moving pieces and layers to that. But yeah, the planting little seeds, I think, is 
is great advice and just the more gentle you can be. And if you have to distance yourself, like you did, and maybe I did, I think that's okay. I think that what I would say, what I would take responsibility for is I wouldn't so much call it distance to take care of myself. I think I would call it avoidance because I didn't want to be uncomfortable. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Okay. Well, I didn't see it like that. Yeah. (laughs) But I think that's what I was doing. Like it wasn't about. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I would want my friends because I'm okay being uncomfortable. It's I, I don't like it, but that's part of being a good friend is I will call something out in a kind way, even if it's about me being uncomfortable. I could have said like, hey, I noticed I was really uncomfortable at this thing when I noticed blank versus you made me uncomfortable when you ordered blank or you made me uncomfortable when you said it's I felt uncomfortable when I heard this I felt uncomfortable when I experienced this and what it brought up for me is knowing what it's like to feel like I have to control everything and what it brought up for me maybe I think what it brought up for me is I was really concerned about you but it always came back to the Halloween candy conversation where you put so much effort into caring and being a good mom for your kids and letting them be. I know this is important to you, letting your kids be whoever they are, like letting that show up. And what I saw is you not in the personality wise way, but in the, just the food part of just controlling so much about your children's experience. And I didn't want them to grab onto those beliefs that you had that were rooted in anxiety versus reality. Yeah. That was part of what you said to me at the restaurant is something along those lines. And even though like, maybe it still took me a few years to actually make some changes, there was stuff happening inside and I was having thoughts and reading and, you know, asking questions. I've always been someone that is very inward. Um, I'm also very outward, but that that was happening and I wasn't talking to anyone about it. I wish I would have maybe reached out to you more. I don't know. Um, but you know, I got here. So, (laughs) yeah. And also like I get not because as much as we want out of something, it's also something that's giving us something. So as much as I would want help with my own stuff, that's why I'm like, I don't know if I would listen to people. I think I would want to hear people say like, I'm, a little worried for you or like I would want them to act like something serious was happening but I think I would probably initially run away from it because it would threaten this thing that was helping me like in the beginning how much affirmation I got was everything it was like the air I breathed so if it if you were going to encourage me to do something that would threaten me getting that affirmation I would run away from it at first yeah, I mean, it was it was becoming a point where I feel like my husband was not embarrassed, but like he just couldn't explain it to people. And uh-huh. we would go places and I would like pack food for me and for Quinn. And yeah, and then people would be like, does he have allergies? And I'd be like, no, no. <laughs> but I do. <laughs> and I'm oh. trying to prevent everything because yes. this thing person has taken over my body yes uh okay so to kind of close this out and to summarize some of what we're saying from your experience of being in that place what would you share or encourage somebody who's listening and is like I've noticed some of these things in people in my life but I am nervous to say something 
what would you encourage them to say or do? Yeah, that's really hard. Cause I mean, I think it also depends on each person individually, but I mean, there is a beauty in being vulnerable. And just like you said earlier in that you were like, no, I actually think I was avoiding this, but if I was actually vulnerable with you and told you how, like come from a place of curiosity and asking these questions and tell you that I'm uncomfortable with this and I'm trying to understand it. There's a lot of like productivity that can come from that. And of course the person has to be receptive, but I would just encourage someone to plant a seed. Yeah. I think in asking questions and trying to come from a place of understanding and less judgment, which can be hard because I think food can be triggering for everybody in some capacity. I would add on to that. If we're coming from a place where we're willing to be wrong, like when you say curiosity, it's like we, we don't know the answer. And so if somebody is struggling with something and they are super defensive, like that makes sense that they might not be in a place to hear that yet, but it might plant a seed. And if somebody doesn't have an issue and they're like, oh, that's because of this, no good friend is going to be offended that you're offering support and care to them. 100%. It's it's kind of all about the approach. Like, I guess it's kind of coming from a place of being respectful of whatever that person is going through, but also like showing concern and yeah, yeah and giving support. Yeah. And that's really what I mean, what you want to be doing as yeah. a friend and as someone that cares about someone is you want to support them and do whatever they need to to move forward or I don't know, like it's always coming from a place of concern, but it's, yeah, the approach, I think that really matters. Can you offer to, because this is important as somebody who's in a place of recovery, can you share what it's been like that it has, like, has it been easy? Like when you went to the gas station to get snacks, like, what is that like for you now? It's not easy. I have a really good friend here that I can actually have these conversations with and she kind of struggles with it too, like coming from a place of wanting to feed our kids healthy food and I mean, all that kind of like stuff. So I'm very grateful for her because we can kind of like laugh about it. She'll like text me and be like, I bought Cheetos today. I feel like shit about it, but they're here. <laughs> like, like, yeah. <laughs> so I go back and forth with, and this is the really difficult part about it because I did restrict my oldest child. There, there has been some patterns that he has developed, you know, like wanting sweets all the time, constantly asking, Mm. like the more you restrict something, the more they're going to want it. Right. And then the more he wants it, the more anxiety that gives me. And it's just like this vicious cycle. cycle. So of course, like coming from, a concern of health and like wanting them to be the healthiest versions of themselves. But like my perception of that has really shifted a lot from a lot of the reading I've done and just conversations I've had with my own therapist and research that I've been trying to do, but it's been harder to let him habituate because like what that really looks like and means is letting him have the food that he wants and how much of it and when he wants it. Mm -hmm. And that is very difficult. And I will say that we're kind of on the other side of it now and that he's not asking for it as much. And even if I have it in the house, he's not always choosing that. So like there is, I guess like it works, which is really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But it's really hard to trust. Yeah. And so there was this, you know, going back and forth with it a lot where I would like 
let the leash go. And then I would get so much anxiety that I would like pull it back even harder. And I would like take it all away again. And my friend and I talk about that all the time. It's like, and I'm glad that we can talk about that because like we can support each other through that. And, you know, yeah, we're really struggling with this today. So now I just, when I'm really uncomfortable, I just try not to say anything and I just have to like sit in it and I'm uncomfortable all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So, well, I think that's important to to take note of is the discomfort is still there, but you're finding different ways to soothe the discomfort. And it's not about controlling what you're uncomfortable about. It's about soothing your discomfort. And I also want to, cause I think this is an important thing and people might not, they might've like glazed over it. But when you said habituate, if you don't know what that is, I explain it. Like if I have a fence in front of my uh, driveway and I run into it, but then I drive into my driveway every single day, I'm eventually not going to notice that I knocked a a fence post over because I'm going to see it every day. The first time I do it, it's going to be like, wait, oh no, that's ugly. But if I am driving to my house every single day, I'm not going to notice it anymore. It's not going to be that big of a deal. But if somebody comes to visit me and they drive into my driveway, they're going to be like, wait, there's a there's you have a missing fence post. And I'm like, oh, that was there. And it's because it's it's no longer this like jarring experience that I my attention is on. Just like if I never am allowed to have ice cream, then when I have ice cream, it's going to be this huge jarring experience where I'm like, I have to have all this ice cream. But if I always can have ice cream and my it can be in my freezer the ice cream can be in my freezer and not be talking to me when I'm like upstairs being like, you have ice cream in the freezer, eat it. It just becomes a part of your We all freezer. have that food voice. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ice cream. Eat me. Um, it's never like a sweet voice. It's never kind. It's never like, oh, I'm in here. It's always like, you have to finish the whole thing. Yes. And that's really hard because in the beginning, the voice is really loud and like the fence post is really ugly and you just want to fix it. But eventually it's like, oh, whatever. It's just part of my yard. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I've noticed my younger child doesn't have the same stuff. There was like a little bit of it, but like he definitely, I was definitely less restrictive with him kind of, I kind of had to be because everything that Quinn was eating at the time he wanted. So yeah, (laughs) now I'm having a third one. So it's a wild, wild west. (laughs) I know. It's so exciting. What's exciting for me over here. I'm not the one who has to go through all of it, but I mean, it's pretty exciting. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for having this conversation. If you guys have any questions like normal, they can be for Kelly. They can be for me. They could be for the general public. But if you have any questions about anything and specifically this conversation, you can send those to Catherine at youneedtherapypodcast.com. You cannot find Kelly on social media because she is not there, but you can find us at youneedtherapypodcast at cat.defada. And if you want to uh, you know seek out a therapist for the first time and you live in Tennessee you can follow us at three chords therapy and that is my therapy practice that is in Nashville thank you for being honest and I'm going to commit myself to acknowledging the next time I want to avoid you yes please yeah me too please please tell me when you don't want to talk to me anymore yeah Um, I really appreciate it. (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing is it's about any hard conversation is once you acknowledge it now, if this happens again, I don't think it's going to be that difficult because we've named the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm very happy for it. 
Yeah. So I hope you guys have the day you need to have. I will be back on Wednesday. And that's all we got. Become a part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry with an education from Trinity School of Natural Health. Trinity graduates can empower their communities through natural health principles and techniques, whether they go into practice to guide others toward their wellness goals or open a store to sell their favorite health products. Trinity grads are equipped to change lives. With 19 online programs and flexibility to fit your busy schedule, including the popular Certified Natural Health Professional, you can get the training that helps you turn your passion into a career And here's the best part. You can earn the certification in less than a year. From herbology to naturopathy and health coaching, Trinity allows you to make a meaningful difference by helping others live healthier, happier lives. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.